I want to mention a couple more things to you. Um, um, there's a couple in our church that um, just moved. Uh, me and a couple guys helped them move uh, yesterday morning, and they have a few more things that they need help with. So if you um, can help, if you're available to help uh, for just an hour or two um, after church, um, would you please let me know that you could help this couple uh, move. They're moving from uh, an apartment to a house, and, um, um, and they, just, they, they just asked if I would mention, and I told them that I would. Also, uh, there's another uh, lady in our church. Her name is Denise. I don't know if where Denise is at right now or somewhere. There you are, up there. Hi, Denise. So Denise is, uh, she's up in the bug. Denise needs some help as well. Uh, she'll be at the information desk, right, Denise, after service is over? Denise will be at the information desk. She also needs um, some help moving uh, in the next couple of weeks. So uh, I know that if I'm available, I will be there. But if you can uh, be available, she'll give um, us the information on that. But in, in the next couple of weeks, you need some help. So, so those are a couple opportunities uh, to show Jesus' love, okay? Um, so uh, the goal uh, last week when we talked about marriage was is that um, marriage is meant to be an illustration. God created marriage as a demonstration or an illustration of his love for us, which is my role as a husband, that I love my wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. So, so as a husband, my role is, is Jesus. My wife's role is the church and that the church is to be subject. The church is to respect uh, the, the kind of uh, dedication and devotion um, of the husband and, and, to, and the way that I love her, she loves me, and it's a mutual love and respect thing. And so that is an illustration. That is a demonstration of uh, what Christ's original plan was, the redemption plan of God, the restoration plan of God. We, why? Because we live in a broken world, which makes for marriages to be very challenging. Can we admit to that? Marriages are very challenging. You have to work at them. And so God has a plan, and his plan was, I want you to have the kind of marriage that represents my love for you, Jesus says, my love for you in the church, and the church's love for Jesus. And that marriage is, that's the goal of it. And ultimately, you want your spouse to stay, right? You, want, you don't want your spouse to want to leave, and so you want your spouse to stay. But it's so much bigger than that. It's about Christ and the love for Christ has for the church and the church's love for Christ, and that's the kind of picture that marriage gives. The goal for parenting is to get your kids to leave. <laughs> that's the goal for parenting. The goal for marriage, let me, let me simplify this, the goal for marriage is to get your, ki your wife to stay, and your husband to want to stay, but your goal for parenting is to get your kids to leave, but not just leave, to leave as fully devoted followers of Jesus, right? I mean, it's not a good day when you know, your child is still living at home you know, in their 40s. It's not an ideal situation. And if that's you, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend you in any way. Probably shouldn't have said that. It wasn't in my notes. Shouldn't say the things that are not in my notes. Um, but it's ultimately the goal is for you to, to send your children out, to send your kids out as fully devoted followers of Jesus. And I am, as a parent, I am in the thick of this. I have an almost 11-year-old, an 8-year-old, a 7-year-old, and a 3-year-old. And there's still these teenage years that I'm talking to some of my parent with teenagers. And I'm going, I'm going to need a lot of advice. I'm going to need, we're going to need to sit down together a lot. And they're, go, and they're kind of scratching their head going, I don't know what I can tell you. Even though I have teenagers, I don't know what I can tell you. I'm still trying to figure it out. Like We're all still trying to figure this out. But what somewhat makes me a little bit qualified to be able to share this talk, even though I feel very inadequate, and there's probably people in this room that probably could give a better talk about parenting than I could, but there's a couple reasons why I think that I'm somewhat, you know, able to give this message. One is I have kids, and that helps us, even though they don't come with a manual, even though they don't come with instructions, even though we, we sometimes need them, need that to happen, but they don't. Um, we, we still are trying to figure this out as a parent. Two, I, have, um, I had the pleasure and I was blessed by showing grace. By giving, uh, I was given two great parents. I have a great 
mom and dad and those of you that know my mom and dad know that. Many of you like my mom and dad more than you like me. That's why you're still around. But I'm okay with that. That's okay. Uh, I have great parents that, that, uh, that, I, that I helps me and learn from and things like that. And I'll share some examples of that. Um, I've known good parents. I've been in, in the church world. I've known good parents. I've spent time, conversations, talking with parents who are good parents for, from all different ages, age ranges. Um, I've worked with kids. I've, I've, been, I've spent time with um, every age uh, being in church world. I've worked with kids, uh, elementary age, um, middle school, high school, uh, young adult uh, age, young career, young marriage. I've, I've spent time with um, children of all ages and over the last 15 years or so. So it's, it helps me a little bit. That's where I sort of pull from this information. Also, it's my job to read a lot. You like do job, my job is, is, part of my job is I get to sit in my office and read books. Like that's, that's a part of what I get to do. And I, it's a part of the learning experience and the knowledge that I need to have in order for me to be able to share with you some things that I think that are biblically helpful. I, I know how to read the Bible and I know what the Bible says. So we're going to pull from these things. We're going to pull from these experiences that I've had and try to be able to try to share with you as a, as a parent to a parent what this looks like. Here's one of, one of the things that I've observed um, as a parent today, our kids are relationally rich, or excuse me, experience rich. They, are, they, they get to experience a lot of things that I didn't get to experience and you didn't get to experience when you were, you were kids. Let me give you a, a couple examples of that. One, one example is um, technology. They get to experience a lot through the avenues, through the areas of technology. Um, driving in a car, I can't tell you how irritated I get with my kids when they say, Dad, I'm bored. While there's a movie going on in the car, while they have their tablets on their lap. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, how are you bored? Like, I was counting, you know, signs. I was trying to form words. Like, I was playing Scrabble out of road signs as when we used to travel when I was a kid. How are you bored right now? You have all of this access of technology. You have things at your fingertips. You can do whatever you want. We have uh, experienced something in this time where kids are just, you know, have experienced so much. They've seen so much. Um, Recreation. I remember growing up, there was a you know time where um, man, you had to play a certain sport when that certain sport was in season. But nowadays, that sport or that you know that habit or that hobby that your kids like to do, you can find that available at any time. You know, it's not you know football and only football in the fall. It's not basketball in the winter. It's not baseball in the spring. You can now. Find things uh, around where you can, your kids can engage recreationally at any time in the season. They have an opportunity to experience rich. They experience a lot, and they get to participate in a lot. They get to see a lot, and it's part of our job as parents to regulate a lot of that, to control a lot of that, and we'll talk about some of those things. But what does lack because of the experiencing rich that they have what does lack are relationship. What does lack in family dynamic within parenting and children is a, is a relationship aspect of it. Because we as parents busy up the schedule so much. On top of our workload, we got to get Susie to dance. We got to get Tommy to football. We got to get Jimmy to baseball. And we got to figure out a way to try to balance our schedules. And what happens is we create an experience-rich lifestyle, but the relationship aspect fails. The relationship aspect of it struggles. I know that it's it, it, in the culture today. I know that it becomes very challenging for us as a family, for my family, to just sit down and eat together. I can't remember a time when I was a kid growing up where, it, where we um, didn't have dinner together, where we weren't able to sit down together and have dinner, have a meal together as a family. And that, I, I, and I'll tell you, there's a, um, some information that I read about what it looks like to be able a family that, you know, eats together. And they actually said that scientifically there's some benefits for families who relationally eat together. 
And here's what they said about it for those who relationally eat together. They say that you have better relationships when you are a family that eats together. They say that, that you um, enhance healthy experiences for their kids. You're able to have healthier meals. Uh, they even say scientifically that they've proven that families that eat together, the kids get better grades. They say that families that eat together are happier families. The kids are well-adjusted. The kids are happier. They say that families that eat together are more relieved of stress. They're, they're a stress-relieved family for those that eat together. These are, and these are not one article. These are articles and articles and articles showing that families that eat together are better off, are more well-adjusted kids, have less stress, have better relationships, get better grades, are happier. These are just examples of how sometimes we struggle culturally in the relationship aspect of things. And here's what I know. I know that I am shaped by my relationships that I've had in my life. My, I'm shaped by my relationships. I'm shaped by not only my relationships, but my, my experiences that I've had. And I'm shaped by my choices that I've had in my, made in my life. So with all of those things, relationship, and, and those relationships affect our experiences. And those relationships affect our experiences, but they also affect my, my choices and the choices that your kids make. And all of those things are what shapes our kids, their relationships, their experiences, and the choices that they make. Now, here's what I know. As a parent, and here's what you know as a parent, you can't always control their choices that they make. And you can't always control their experiences. You can control those choices, and you can control those experiences better by having healthier relationships in your child's life. So I think, and I think that you know this as a parent, that relationship is the key. Don't you agree? Relationship is the key. Because as a parent, you can't control their choices all the time. As a parent, you can't control their experiences all the time. So relationship is so important. So today, over the next few minutes, I want to talk about three relationship areas three relationship areas first relationship area is the relationship that you have as a parent with your child that's one relationship area your relationship that you have as a parent with your child that's one the second one is your child's relationship with God your child's relationship with the Lord and you can control that and you can determine that and you can dictate that as a parent and the third one is, is that your child's relationship with people outside your home. So I want to talk about those three areas, those three kinds of relationships. Because I think, and I think that you know, that relationships, choices, and experiences in your life has shaped you in the way that you are. And your parent couldn't always control your choices. Your parent couldn't always control your experiences. But what could they could control and what you can control as a parent are their relationships and the quality of relationships that they have today so the first one is this the parent child relationship okay the parent child relationship that needs to be motivated by respect motivated by respect that's the one of the things that it needs to be motivated by parent relationships need to uh, move from position of power Okay? Parent relationships need to move from position of power to personal influence. From position of power to, per, to personal influence. That's where our relationships need to go as parents. From position of power to personal influence. Let me give you an example of that. When I was young, when I was little, my mother, okay, all 95 pounds of her, could forcefully put me in my seat. Like, she could put me in to have a seat. She, could, she had the power to do that, okay? Now, I can forcefully put my mother where I want her to go. I won't. I don't. And the reason why is because she's not, she's went from, she understands that it goes from personal, it goes from power of position, position of power, that she's my mom, and as young, you have young children, you have the power, you have the authority to, to 
use that power, use that power to whatever you want your child to do, whatever you need them to do. You have that authority. That is God-given authority that you have. But over time, that position of power becomes ineffective. And therefore, you need to have personal influence. That the motivation that you are working towards is that when your child is getting ready to move out, that your motivation was you want your child to respect you. You want your child to respect you. Because here's what you know if you have older kids. You want to make sure that you are a voice in their life when they become older and they have to make more pressing issues. That they have to make harder decisions. Things like who they're going to date. Things like where they're going to go to school, go to college. Things like what do they do once they finish college and they're going to begin to start a career. Important decisions that they need to make when you sort of lose your power or your position. When you sort of lose your strength over them and you now need to rely on the fact that you, your motivation was not based on your power because that's, that, that's, that's lost very early on. That your motivation is not based on your power over them or your position as a mother or father over them, but based on the influence that you have gained in their life. That your motivation was that you want them to respect you when they move out. That they want to re- you want them to respect you when they have to make these difficult decisions. So I know when I need to listen to my dad. Here's how I know. My dad gives two cues. My dad clears his nose, (laughs) clears his throat, throat) and I know that my dad's going to say something, and I need to listen. That's how I know. And maybe you've experienced it. If you you haven't, he'll do it to you. When he's going to say something that you need to listen to, he's going to... He's going to clear his throat, he's going to turn to you, and I know at that moment I need to listen. Why? Because I respect him. I respect him. And that word respect wasn't because he abused his power and his position, though he had that for a period of my life. But his motivation was not to keep the power and to keep the position over me. The motivation was not led out of guilt It was not led out of what you can get from him, but it was led out of influence. It was led out of respect. Here's what the Bible says that help us understand this principle a little bit. Ephesians 6, 4 says this. Fathers, and this also can apply to mothers as well. Fathers, mothers, do not provoke your children to anger. Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, here's inter- something interesting here. He's saying to us, Paul, who's writing this and talk, talking to families, and talk to fathers and talking to mothers as well. He's saying, listen, do not provoke your children to anger. Why would he say that? He's saying this, listen, do not try to leverage your position or power. Do not leverage your place or your position because you have the authority, and you do as a father, of the authority that you do as a mother over your children. He says, but do not provoke your children to anger. In other words, don't use that position over them. But he says, instead, bring them up. And that 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 phrase, bring them up, is one word. And it means to nurture, nurture. He says, to nurture in discipline, and instruction of the Lord. He's saying, listen, here's what you need to do. Instead of trying to, again, at certain ages, it varies. And sometimes you need to use your position of power over your children. Don't misunderstand me. But your motivation needs to be towards respect. Your motivation needs to be towards influence in their life. When they have to make the biggest decisions in their lives. That has to be the motivation. So he says, listen... Be careful, moms and dads, be careful not to provoke your child to anger, but instead use your leverage, use your position to bring them up or to nurture them 
In what way? In discipline. So there it is. Is it okay to discipline your children? Absolutely. Is that a demonstration of love? Absolutely. The Bible says that the Jesus, the Lord, disciplines those whom he loves. Is it okay to discipline? For sure. If you're not disciplining, you're not a good parent. Again, not in my notes, probably shouldn't have said that. But I'm just letting you know, discipline is all a part of the process of a loving parent. When they don't do the things that they're supposed to do, there definitely are consequences. But we as parents should never set our kids up to fall. Our, us as parents should never set our children up to fail, as we do sometimes trying to leverage our power. Jesus never leveraged his power or position over anyone. He didn't. He never used. Now, did Jesus, was he all-powerful? Yeah. Was he, could he leverage it if he wanted to? Absolutely. But Jesus never led in that way. Jesus was always led through nurture. But Jesus always warned of the consequences of not doing what God wants him to do. He always warned of the consequences of that. So as parents, your motivation needs to be, do you discipline? Sure. But is your motivation to influence? Is your motivation to, so that they respect you when they get older? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's so critical. So critical for us as parents. Because they're going to need you. They're going to need you. I'm 38 years old. And I still need my mom and dad every once in a while. And I still need my dad to clear his throat every once in a while. And to tell me something important. And so do you. But maybe you have a parent that you're like, I, I don't care what they think. I don't care what they've said. They've used and abused their power. In their position over me. And you have no respect for them. That's not the kind of parent that you ought to want to strive to be. It's not the kind of parent that I want. I want my kids, when they become adults, to want to be my friend too. Want to be my friend. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm their buddy now. It doesn't mean that right now that we're, we're boys. Even though we, there are elements of that and there are aspects of that. It, but it, right now, it's, they understand that I'm a parent. I'm not their buddy all the time. I'll play, hang out with them. I'll spend time with them. I'll do things with them. But it's not, it's not always the case. Listen, you need to be a parent first. You need to be a parent first. And then when they get older, then you can have that kind of relationship with them. Then you can have that friendship relationship. That's what the best parents are. That's what they do. The second relationship, not only is a parent-child relationship and it needs to be motivated by respect, but to God, the, the, the God and child relationship. And it talks about in Ephesians uh, 6, 4, that we're to, in, in instruction, not only in discipline, but in instruction of the Lord. And as parents, we need to model righteousness. That's what we need to do as parents, that we need to model this thing as, as parents. Um, we have... Our God, our Father, is, is a father to all of us, including our children, okay? God doesn't have grandkids. God has children, okay? So I am a child of God, and my kids are child, ch children of God. That's what they are. God doesn't have grandkids. And so as a parent, my responsibility is to help and to nurture them and to give them instructions in the ways of the Lord. And I, the best way to do that, and I think the best way for all of us to do this, is by modeling this. By modeling this. By demonstrating this. By showing this to, to our kids. To let them know that their faith needs to be personal. That they need to know that it's, they're not a Christian because their dad is a pastor and their mom likes to go to church. That they are a Christian because of a personal relationship that they made with Jesus. That faith is in the Christian faith. It's always personal. It's never corporate. And so as a parent, we need to model this. As a parent, we need to show this. 
to our kids. I remember there was a, um, a cartoon that came out in the, on the Washington Post. And it was shortly after the su Supreme Court ruling that there wouldn't be prayer allowed in the public school system. And in the cartoon, there was this man who had his fist in the air. And he says this, in the cartoon it says this, What do they expect us to do? Listen to our kids pray? Like that was what the cartoon said. What do they expect us to do now that they can't pray in school anymore? What do they expect us to do? Listen to our kids pray at home? Like the answer is yes. Yes. Like this needs to be something that we understand is important. Did you know that the mandate that was passed out through scripture on what it looks like to raise your children and to bring your children up in the ways of the Lord is not the responsibility of the church? It's not. The church, the local church, is not responsible for your child's spiritual life. Now, will the local church help you in that? Will the local church encourage you in that? Will the local church help you come alongside of your role as a parent? Absolutely. But it's your job as a parent to make sure that you are modeling this. I'm going to stand before God one day, and you've heard me say this before, I'm going to stand before God one day, and I'm going to be held accountable for my kids, not yours, in their spiritual life. We exist as a local church to help you succeed and to nurture this in your kids' relationships with, with the Lord, but it is not our primary responsibility, okay? It's not our primary responsibility. It is your job to model this. It is your job to show this. I remember waking up in mornings, coming downstairs, and I remember seeing my mom in another room as we walked down the stairs with her Bible open, reading scripture, praying. It was her way of modeling this. I remember watching my dad on Sunday mornings write checks, his tithe check to give and take to the church on Sunday mornings. I remember seeing those things. What are they doing? They're modeling those things. I remember watching my dad uh, when he was laid off and just trusting my mom and dad, trusting with, in God while the time he was, he was laid off. I remember one time there was a, a, a basketball camp that I really wanted to go to. It was a Dennis Rodman basketball camp. And... I remember my dad wanting so badly to put me in this Dennis Rodman basketball camp. It was before he really went off the deep end. Um, and, and he took me over to the gym where the Dennis Rodman basketball camp. And I remember my dad. My dad is not a bashful guy. He's not a shy kind of a guy. And I'm sure he cleared his throat. But he, he called Dennis Rodman over. He called Dennis Rodman over. He said, hey, um, you know, I'm laid off. You know, I remember just standing there, and like, I'm like, like, Dad, you just pulled Dennis Rodman away from like a couple hundred kids. He, he's like, he's like telling, telling, telling Dennis Rodman, oh, I'm laid off, and you know, I love for my son to participate in your camp. And is there anything you can do? And and uh, he just sort of walked away and, <laughs> and didn't come back. But I just remember my dad just being willing to try to do whatever it took, but knew, knowing that it was just too expensive to put his son into Dennis Robbins basketball camp, but yet still wanting to make that happen. I just remember those things because they were modeling it. They were modeling it. And yeah, they spent time in prayer. We prayed together and things like that. But more importantly, what, what resonates for me, what I remember most, is just the time where they demonstrated it personally where they showed it personally. And that's what carries more than any weight that we can carry in our families with our kids. Is that they need to see that you are in a personal relationship with Jesus. That you're showing that to them. You're modeling that for them. That's what they need to see. And, and I'm telling you, this will go so far. This will go such a long ways. If we learn to say, you know what, my relationship with God is a way for me to show my kids that this Christianity thing is real and it's personal and it's life-changing. They need to see that in you. They must see that in you. There's a few verses 
Proverbs 3, 5, it just helps us understand what this looks like. So we got to teach our kids to trust. Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. It's just about trusting him, trusting him, showing that your kids that you trust the Lord. Deuteronomy 6, 5, and 7 says this. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. These words which I commanded you today shall be on your heart. He says, you shall teach them diligently to your sons, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. He says, listen, this is a lifestyle thing. This is a modeling righteousness kind of thing. This is a time where you not only teach your kids how to trust, but you teach your kids to love God with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that is through you. That's demonstrated through you. And like I said, we'll do our part as a church, and we'll do the best that we can as a church to help you do this. But it's on you, mom and dad, to model this for them and to teach them to love God with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. When they go to bed, when they rise up, wherever they go about in life, it's a 24-7 thing for parents that we teach them. Another verse says this, Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in a way that he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So it's about trusting, it's about teaching, it's about training up. So when they get old, and they move out, and you are an empty nester, and they will not depart from it. They'll appreciate because you, you, your motivation was based on influence and respect. And they'll come back, and they'll be committed as fully devoted followers of Jesus. Because ultimately, that's the goal, is to send them out, to send them out, to send them out as fully devoted followers of Jesus. To trust, to teach, and to train. The third thing is this, and this is a little sticky, this is a little sticky for us, is we need to, as parents, monitor relationships. We need to monitor relationships. Here's what Proverbs 13.20 says. Here's what it says. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Here's the principle. As a parent, especially with young kids, you really need to work at monitoring relationships that they have with certain people. I remember um, changing schools. I went from a a private school to a public school and I started meeting friends at these, this new public school and I asked my mom one day can I go hang out with this, this, this new friend that I met at school he lives just right down the road my mom said yeah and, you know I don't you know she was a little leery I don't really know the parents and that kind of thing and she, what she was doing is just sort of monitoring the relationship but she let me go she let me let me go and so I went hung out with this this kid spent the afternoon with them and I remember um, walking into a party store, me and me and this kid, he said he wanted to go and get a pop. And so we walked into this party store, which is right by his house. And we're in this party store, and I noticed that he stole some tobacco. And this was like, now I'm like this young kid. I just left a, a private school situation. And I was just like, I, I was like white as a ghost. I could just, I was just like, he like, got this tobacco and he put it in his pocket and he's like let's go let's go and we got out of the store man I was like in panic mode like this is the first time I've ever experienced like I was just like this this naive innocent kid you know where now I'm like hanging out with this kid who's stealing tobacco you know and I just remember like I couldn't wait to just like not be with this kid anymore and I remember going home and I've been like oh mom you know it's like you know she's like what's wrong she could tell there's something wrong she said oh mom I we were in this party store, and this, you know, this, he, he stole something. And my mom just like, you're never hanging out with this kid again. You're never going out. I'm like, okay, mom, no problem, no problem. Like, she, she, what she was doing is she was monitoring relationships. She was making sure that I wasn't around people that influenced me in a negative way. She was making sure that she was doing everything that she could to control the people that were in our life. And we do that as parents. 
We try to control the people that my kids hang out with. And if my kids are going to hang out with people that we're not really sure, we don't really know yet, we have them come over to our house. They're at our house. They're in our environment. They're in our world. They're with us. And I know what my kids are going to do. And so it's an important element of that. Because why? Because my greatest regrets and probably your greatest regrets were you hung out with people that you know you shouldn't have hung out with. You spent time with somebody. You were in a relationship with somebody that, that brought about your probably your greatest regret. And you know, the other thing is, I remember one time we were, uh, being in church world, I remember a parent go, uh, coming to church, and I said, where, where, I said, where's your kids? Oh, I grounded my kids from church. And I said to the parent, why? Like, I probably should have said that. I go, why? She goes, well, you know, because they really like coming to church. I said, I, I know, but it's church. Like, why would you ground your kid from church? Like, this is, this is a place where you want your kids to be around. Not because, not, listen, listen, here's the deal. Not because I think that kids are better, church kids are better. No offense, you're not. But, 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 <laughs> but because I know who they're going to be around. I know who they're going to be around. I want my kids to be at church. Not because they're, they're the people that they're going to spend time with, I think, are any better than the people that they'll be at school with or anywhere else. But the people that are leading them, the people that are overseeing them. You know what I love? I love to know that my kids right now are in the care of some amazing, amazing people. I hope that you know that right now when you put your kids in whatever place, environment where you put your kids, whether downstairs in preschool or in kids' church, that you know that those workers, those volunteers, they love your kids. And they want to impact your kids. They want to influence your kids. They want to help nurture your kids into being fully devoted followers of Jesus. I want you to know, man, I, that's why I love it when our kids show up. Because, man, they get to show up, our teenagers get to show up, and they get to hang out with amazing people. They get to hang out with Juan and Erica. You know, they get to hang out with Joanne. You know, our kids in kids' church right now, they get to hang out with Jim Greeby. Boy, you should meet Jim Greeby. What an amazing guy. Your kids right now, right now, are in the kids' church with a kid by the name of Michael Barksdale. He's the most amazing young man I've ever met in my life. He's such a phenomenal young guy. He's like 25. Five years old, maybe 24 years old, but just loves Jesus. They are with those people. Listen, as a parent, I'm so grateful that I know that they are with people that are going to influence them in a positive way. And you as a parent have an incredible role, and that is to monitor the relationships. And for some, this is not easy as a parent. For some, you need to tell your kid, stop hanging out. You're done hanging out with them. You're done. Because they're leading you down a path that's only going to bring about a lot of hurt and pain. And to nurture other relationships. I love the friendships that I have, that my kids have with certain parents Boy, my son Nathan loves basketball, and I'm telling you, wherever, wherever Coach Whitney is going to be, that's where my kid's going to be, because Coach Whitney is going to influence my kid in a way that no other coach can. He's an amazing man who loves Jesus, and I'm excited that I get to be, and his son's the same age as my son, and we get to be as long as Coach Whitney allows us to be in everything that he does, because I just know that he's around people that are going to influence him in a way. That's going to help him be a better person. And I hope that's what you're doing as a parent. As a parent, you need to work on your relationships with your kid. And your motivation needs to be that they respect you. That they respect you. When they have to make tough decisions. That you have influence in their life. That's the best parent when you have influence in their adult life. That's what you're going for. That's your goal.
and that you instruct them, and that takes discipline sometimes, but you're instructing them in their walk with the Lord, in their relationship with the Lord, and you're motivating them in that way, and you're helping them understand that ultimately, at the end of the day, they're going to be held accountable to a personal God, that their relationship with God is not contingent upon your relationship, that you model this, that you're modeling this as a parent, that you're showing this, because they're like, you heard this before. They're like sponges. They're soaking everything up. And they're watching everything that you do. So you got to model it. And you got to monitor. Relationships outside of the home. You got to control that. You got to monitor that. Because my greatest regret, and probably yours, were with people that you know you shouldn't have been in relationship with you know how i knew that i one of the reasons how i knew that i was to marry my wife my mom liked her (laughs) it's one of the motivations i brought katie home my mom and dad liked her and i thought she's the one because I knew, here's what I knew, here's what I knew when I was in relationships, dating relationships, when I brought girls home, boy, my mom was not a nice person. <laughs> and at the time, I'm like, mom, knock it off, like, be nice to her, knock it off. And at the time, I didn't understand, but now I understand. Because my mom is going, you are going to be careful about who you have in your life. And the relationships that you have in your life. Because it's only going to hurt you down the road. And I'm grateful that my mom was mean <laughs> to some girls. But she loved Katie. And rightfully so. It's a helpful thing, I think. So we're going to end this now with some baby dedications. Okay? Once you guys come on up. If you have a baby, grab your baby. If your baby's like 15, grab your baby and bring him up here. I don't care. <laughs> awesome, guys. Come on over here, right here. Guys, thank, thank you for the honor. Thank you for the tolerating um, the time here before we could lead up to this, this dedication. I appreciate that. And I really am honored to be able to be a part of this with you guys and help you understand what, how, what an amazing thing this really is. And You know, we have some examples of this in Scripture of um, uh, babies that were dedicated. They, babies were never baptized. We don't see that in Scripture, but they were always dedicated. And... Um, Hannah, in the Old Testament, dedicated her son Samuel and, and uh, gave uh, her son to the Lord and said, Lord, this is yours. This is yours. I'll explain why in a second. Mary and Joseph brought Jesus when Jesus was young to the temple to dedicate Jesus. And that's a New Testament example. So we have an Old Testament example. We have a New Testament example. And the best, the big, biggest one is Jesus' example of that. And he was dedicated when he was, when he was a baby. Um, the Old Testament, though, gives us an amazing story, and I think it really gives us a picture of what baby dedication is, is all about. I want to read some verses to you. I, I just want to sh- have these verses up here for you. But in, in Jeremiah 1.5, it says, Before I formed you, and this is true for all of us, and especially true for these beautiful, beautiful little, little children. It says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I, I knew you. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not calamity, and to give you a future and a hope. Psalm 127 says, Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of a womb is, is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are children of one's youth. He says, How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. 
They will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gate. It says in Joshua 24, 14 and 15, it says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your father served beyond the river in Egypt to serve the Lord. Verse 15, it says, If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourself today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served which were beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in which the land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that's what you're doing today, is that you're declaring that, boy, these wonderful, amazing, incredible, the Bible says that they are fearfully and they were wonderfully made, that God knew them in, before they were even created in the womb, that God knew them and had a plan for them, and, and he's declared those plans, and he's going to continue to reveal those plans <laughs> as she wanders up. She's already ready to leave. No. But a great example of that is, is this in Scripture, is that God gives us an incredible example of, of um, Abraham and his son Isaac. And I think that in this story of Abraham and Isaac, that he shows us what baby dedication is really all about. That baby dedication is this, is that you, giving your child to God is a confirmation of your love for God. That's a great example to live, that you're showing here right now in this moment. By giving your, your child to God, that you're showing confirmation of your love for, for God. And just like this moment right now, they need to continue to see that in every single day moving forward. Of your love for God. Because when you model that, just like what we just talked about, when you model that, I'm telling you that carries so much weight. It goes such a long ways. So this is a confirmation. Boy, did Abraham love his son Isaac, but he loved God. And that's important. He loved his son Isaac just like a loving parent loves their child, but he loved God more. And that's what he's trying to teach us here. Giving your child to God is a clarification of ownership. Look at that. <laughs> it's a clarification of ownership. By giving, by dedicating your, your child today, you're declaring openly that this child, these children, that they belong to him. That they are gifts. Sweetheart, you're a gift. You absolutely are. These wonderful, beautiful children, these little boys, what gifts they are to God. And you're saying to them, to God, this is a confirmation, God, that you gave us this gift. And you guys, moms, dads, you don't take that lightly. And that ultimately, and this is the hard part as parents, ultimately, they don't belong to you either. That's why that our goal as parents is to raise them and to give them instruction and to teach them to trust and to train and to teach. And all of these things that, you know, we talked about as parents so that you can then send them out, right? So you can send them out to be fully, fully, fully devoted followers, fully equipped to serve Jesus and to love God with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that's a responsibility that you guys get to have as parents. And what a privilege it is. But it's understanding that they don't belong to you. They're God's. And a gift that he's entrusted you with. To be a steward of them in this time that you have with them. And the last thing is this. To show the example of what Abraham did for his son Isaac. God asked him to do was not only a confirmation of his love for God but it was also a clarification of ownership and they belong to God but the third thing is giving your children to God is a commitment to raise your children God's way that's what you're doing today that you're standing here before all of these wonderful people and you're saying to all of these wonderful people we are committed we are committed to raise our children <laughs> she's awesome hi sweetie you're great. To raise your children God's way. And that's what's the best way. It really is. That your kids following and watching you model it and living by God's principles is the best way to go about it. And you're committed here to do that. And it's a commitment that as you go forward to be godly parents. They need you to be godly parents. They need you to honor God with your life and all that you do. Teach your child, teach your children the ways of Jesus. 
to keep your child in church. Find a church and keep your child in church and keep them going so they can be around people that can help and to nurture that relationship. To stay married for this child. Boy, they need you to stay married for this child. And to make your home a holy place. Because like I said earlier, it's your home is where the place is where they're going to grow the most and they're going to mature the most as followers of Jesus. So that's what it does. That's what it's about. And guys, I'm listen, I am so honored again to be able to share in this time and to know and help you understand what this is all about and why you do this. And it's understanding that, God, they're yours. They're yours. They're not mine. God, I'm, I know that you've tr- entrusted me with them, and I'm going to do the best that I can with them. But your relationship with God is critical. It's critical to their development and their spiritual growth together. As squirmy as they are, what you're doing here today is an amazing thing. So, Katie, would you help me pray with them? We're going to pray with each one of you, okay, individually as a family. So um, I told you I'd mention one, uh, one book. So uh, this book called Parenting, uh, 14 Gospel Principles uh, by Paul Tripp. Um, I, I encourage you to grab this. We will order some of these, um, and then we'll have them available at the cafe next week. So this book, if you're a parent, called Parenting, 14 Gospel Principles. Uh, I encourage you to pick it up. Great, great uh, help to, uh, to parents, okay? All right. All right, let's pray together. And um, you guys can get out of here. Thanks so much, Lord, for the opportunity to gather, uh, talking about relationships. Lord, I look forward to uh, just continually this conversation about different types of relationships that we have in our life. And Lord, we look forward to next week as we talk about what it means to be a, a colleague or a coworker, uh, and a, be a, uh, have a relationship in a, in a work environment, Lord, which is most of people in this room have that. And Lord, we just want to be Christian in that way. And what does the Bible say about that? So God, we're asking for your blessing on that. Use it in a mighty way. Thank you for the guests that are here today. I pray you bless them and watch over them. Lord, I just, uh, again, I hope that we um, as parents are just modeling who you are, modeling what it means to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Because as we send our kids out, that's what, what you're looking for us to do. You've given us that responsibility to do that. And Lord, we thank you for that privilege that we have. Pray you bless. Give everybody a great day today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great day, everybody.